0: You are listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast by The Crossing on how to live into God's bigger story. Hi, welcome back to A Bigger Life. I want to look today at Psalm 52, and like so many of the Psalms we've looked at, this is written by David king david who lived about a thousand years before jesus a little over that and it's written in the context of fear the context of insecurity uncertainty that's what david was experiencing going through those were his circumstances emotionally and his circumstances that were happening in his life when he wrote the psalm and it says in the little heading it's a psalm of david a mass skill of david when Doeg the edomite came and told saul David has come to the house of Ahimelech and unquote so this is a that's a bad thing for David David has been uh, betrayed somebody has told Saul who's trying to kill David where David is hiding and uh, and so David is in a what do I do kind of thing and uh, so when you read the psalm that we're not going to look at the whole first part but the whole first part is talking about, how he's in danger of somebody who is being deceitful, somebody whose tongue is being used like a razor, a sharp razor to work deceit. And he is the victim. His circumstances have gotten fearful and insecure and uncertain because of the deceitful words of somebody who's trying to devour him. And I think sometimes we feel that way in our lives of people who are through their words in some way destroying us, cutting us, Uh, through their deceit, or through their gossip, or through their slander, or in some way the working of their tongue to to produce pain in our lives. And I don't think that's uncommon. I think that's something that David talks about a lot in the Psalms, and I think it's something that in one way or another we experience, even when we don't know it. People are talking against us at times, and, and if we are honest and humble, we do the same thing at times and, uh, and the, there's something about the tongue that, that is sharp and cutting and hurtful. And I, th- I think it was, it's a blind spot in my life and our lives that we have to be humble and recognize and not let happen in our lives. And so there's a certain sense in verse 5 it says, but God will, will break you down forever. He's talking about what God's going to do to those who, are, who love evil more than good, and lying more than speaking what is right, he says in verse 3, But God will break you down forever. He will snatch and tear you from your tent, and he will uproot you, uproot you from the land of the living. All this is about who's going to be in the land of the living in the end. Who's going to be on the restored and renewed earth in the end. And he's saying not those who love evil more than good and love lying more than speaking what is right. But the next verse says the righteous shall see and fear. In other words, what God is going to do to those who speak deceitfully and love evil more than good, love lying more than speaking what is right, what God is going to do, remove them from the land of the living, should cause those who want to be righteous, those who want to love what is good more than evil, who want to love... Truth more than lying, speaking what is right more than lying, that they shall see and fear. There's a sense in which we're not rejoicing, but we, we have a sense of self-examination. Well, am, I, am I somebody who loves evil more than good? Am I somebody who loves lying more than speaking what is right? And do I love words that devour, verse 4? Do I have a deceitful tongue? It should cause us to have exam- self-examination. And verse 7, See the man who would not make God his refuge, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and sought refuge in his own destruction. That's obviously sarcastic. When we seek refuge in anything other than God, when we love evil more than good, we love lying more than speaking what is right, we're seeking refuge in our own destruction. We're trusting in our own abundance, and we're not making God our refuge. And so these psalms are psalms where as we read through these, we want to examine our own hearts and, and see if, there's, if, we're, if we're being, in a sense, taking refuge in a blind spot, rather than being honest and owning up to our sin and confessing it and coming into the light and, and checking ways in which we may be lying more than speaking what is true, may love evil more than good, and see in fear and have this sense that I want to be in the land of the living. I want to be somebody who loves good more than evil. I want to be somebody who loves speaking what is life-giving more than the devouring with my speech and having a razor-sharp tongue. All of this gets me to the part where, remember I said that when I pray through the Psalms, I just try to find verses that resonate with what I'm wanting to pray and meditate on. And Psalm 52, I certainly resonate and examine myself in the first part, and then I get to the last two verses, and those are the verses that I want to pray. Those are the verses that I want to meditate on. Of course, I want to examine myself and maybe confess sin in the first part. And I certainly did. As I was reading through this this morning, I'm confessing, Lord, I I want to love what is good more than evil. And I want to love speaking what is right more than deceit. And these are self-examining things. But when I get to the part where I'm declaring what I'm wanting to believe and trust in, the last two verses... All of these psalms are written by the Holy Spirit, and I believe that as I pray these prayers that are written by the Holy Spirit, I mean, of course, written by David, but also written by the Holy Spirit in a mysterious way. We don't understand how the two work together, but it works together somehow. So verse 8 says, But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God, in the presence of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name for it is good in the presence of the godly. Here's here's the thing I take from this and I want to pray through this is that these are the two things we've looked at in other psalms that we have to choose to believe if we're going to trust God with our lives. If we're going to make God our refuge, we have to choose to we have to choose to trust in the steadfast love of God forever. Endeavor that his the steadfast love of God endures forever. Uh his goodness endures forever. We looked at that in, in a in a psalm earlier. I believe it was Psalm 118. Here is saying the same thing. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. That's where I'm putting my nickel down. I will thank you forever because you have done it. And when I think of that, I think of all that God has done. He's done what is necessary to bring me into his house forever, to bring me into his steadfast love forever, to trust in his steadfast love forever. He has already become human in the person of Jesus. He has already died for my sin. He's already broken through the other side of death for me. He's already risen from the dead, and he is the first of a renewed new creation, of the land of the living that he talks about in verse 5. And I'm going to be a part of the land of the living if I make the Lord my trust. Trust in his steadfast love, trust in his goodness, and therefore submit to his will and not love evil more than what is good, but pursue what is good and pursue what is right. And trust in the fact that I have enough knowledge I already have enough knowledge. I already have what I need to know to be able to trust in his steadfast love forever, to be able to trust that he is good. I don't need more information. I already know Jesus has come, done the miracles to show what restoration in the land of the living will look like. He's already died for me. He's risen for me. He promises me that I have died in him, with him. I have been raised with him, in him. And when he returns, I will appear with him in glory. I already have enough of what I need to know. The only thing that keeps me now from trusting in his steadfast love is my own choice of unbelief, my own desire for self-will, my own refusal to believe what I know to be true. So I I, I pray these Psalms as a way to recalibrate my thinking and my faith and my trust. I want to repoint the compass of my faith back to true north, back to trusting in what I know to be true. The steadfast love of God is forever and ever. And I will wait for his name, for his presence, for his faithfulness, for it is good. And so this is Psalm 52, and we're going to pray it right now. Would you pray with me on this? Meditate with me on this? Lord, I think about the circumstances of fear, insecurity, threat, uncertainty that we all face right now in our country, in our community, in our lives, in our family, and it's no different than what your people, even King David, especially King David, had to face all throughout the centuries that this is this is the context in which we live our lives right now until the full renewal of all things we live lives in uncertainty whether we know it or not and th- the degree that we don't think we do we don't feel it is a degree that we're being blinded to the reality that we're we're trusting perhaps in the abundance of our riches we're not understanding the reality of our situation but we do always live in a context of uncertainty, a context of insecurity and fear, like David wrote in here. And our country is facing all kinds of uncertainties. We don't know how this year is going to end. We don't know how this month is going to end. I don't know how today is going to end, but I know that you are a God who Just like with David, you are intent with your steadfast love. Verse 1 says, The steadfast love of God endures all the day. In spite of these circumstances, I declare now the steadfast love of God. I agree with your word. I agree with what your Holy Spirit has written in your word. The steadfast love of God endures all the day. The steadfast love of God endures all this month. The steadfast love of God endures all this year, all my life. I trust, verse 8, I trust. I trust in the steadfast love of God. I trust in your steadfast love for me. In spite of my circumstances, in spite of my fears, in spite of my insecurities, uncertainties, I trust in, I believe in, I depend upon, I rest in, I commit to, I trust in the steadfast love of God for me. A steadfast love of God that will endure all today and all my life, all this year, all this month. I will never have a time in my life, not one second, that I am not in the steadfast love of God for me. David says, I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. That your story for me is a forever story that your steadfast love is forever. Your steadfast love for me, toward me, upon me, is forever and ever. I rest in your forever steadfast love for me. I trust in your steadfast love for me forever and ever. I will thank you forever, verse 9, forever, because I trust in your steadfast love for me forever and ever. That's your love for me. That is forever and ever. I will give thanks to you forever. Forever, I will be in the land of the living, renewed and restored in Christ, giving thanks to you with full heart of gratitude in ways that I have no idea now but I will give you thanks forever because you have done it. I don't even have a glimpse of how much you have done for me. I will one day see what you have done, and I will be overwhelmed with thanksgiving. I will be overwhelmed with gratitude and appreciation, and I will thank you forever and ever because I trust in the steadfast love of God for me forever and ever. I will wait For your name. You are Yahweh. You are the I am. You are infinite in your presence in my life. You are infinite in your steadfast love for me. I will wait for your name, for it is good, David says in verse 9. You are infinite in your goodness. And I have enough knowledge to trust. I can trust in your steadfast love for me. I can choose to believe your word that you have given me by your Holy Spirit. I don't need any more evidence. I choose to trust. I bow my head and rest. I bow my head and trust. Oh, I don't have to be fearful. I don't have to be insecure. I don't have to worry. I don't have to have anxiety. I can trust. I can rest. I can give thanks to you, in fact, forever and ever, because your steadfast love is for, for me is forever and ever. I will wait, because I know forever is the story. I know that you have done it. I am on the timeline that you have for me that is perfect. I trust your will, and so I will wait for your infinite name, for it is good. You are Yahweh, and you are my God, and I submit to you, and I trust in you and I wait for you. I know that you are present infinitely in my life now. I am like a green olive tree in the house of God, in the presence of God right now. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever, because you have done it. I will wait for your name, for it is good, and I will live in the land of the living forever and ever. The steadfast love of God endures forever and endures all this day. And so I trust and rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.